Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let Me Ruin Your Life with Serena Shahidi. I am your host, Serena Shahidi, and I sound way too loud in my headphones right now. It's very irritating. This is episode 10. This is our 10th anniversary, sweetie, sweetie pie, darling, sweetheart. Uh, This is the closest thing to a real anniversary that I've ever celebrated. This is so exciting. Now, have I been keeping up with this podcast as much as I should be? Absolutely not. But I don't know what I was going to say after that, but okay, here's the thing. I didn't post last week. Look at me. I always have an excuse. It's so great. I didn't post last week because of the election. Ever heard of it? Do you guys even know? Did you know that that was going on? I knew because I'm just that politically involved. Um, And I just couldn't bring myself to think about anything else. Election day, I was like, okay, let me wait until tomorrow, the day after to find out who won. And then I can talk about it on the podcast. And then obviously, by Thursday, I did not know who won. I didn't find out until Saturday morning at brunch in the East Village, or actually before brunch. But At brunch, I got to see everyone out, everyone celebrating. It was so nice to see the city that way. It just felt like the first time in a long time when it felt appropriate to celebrate something. And I know some people think that it's like inappropriate to celebrate that two people who aren't great are going to be in control of this country. But I don't like Joe Biden. I don't like Kamala Harris. I am glad to see Trump being replaced. It was just, I'm so glad that I was in the city when it happened. I really just feel like I haven't seen anyone celebrate good news in so long. When was the last time that we got good news? When Trump got COVID? When Chris Christie got COVID? Was that before or after? Girl, when Chris Christie got COVID, my dad called me just body shaming him. Body shaming the shit out of Chris Christie. It was, uh, what a man. What a man. My dad, not Chris Christie. Anyway, later, after brunch, after the East Village, which was honestly probably like the best place in New York to experience that. It's just like so dense and full of people who obviously voted for Biden. Um, But after that, I went to go visit my friend on the Upper West Side and I walked through Columbus Circle, which was a party. Hopefully I didn't get COVID just walking past there. I was wearing a mask. Don't worry. Don't cancel. It was just so, I don't know, uplifting and happy and so exciting. I almost stopped this group of people because the outfit I was wearing, God, what was I wearing? I was wearing an asymmetrical red crop top and a pink mini skirt and my white go-go boots. You already know. It's celebration time when I bring out the go-go boots. And there was this one group of friends who were like my age, maybe a little younger and they just like matched my outfit perfectly. I'm so mad. I didn't uh, catch up with them enough to get a picture with them. One of them had on lilac go-go boots. If she's listening, hello queen. Sorry, I didn't stop you. We were go-go boots twins and we will forever be united in that. We're kind of uh, soulmates in that way. I'm very glad to see Biden won. I voted for him. Of course I voted absentee. Um, and I voted blue in New York. You're welcome. You're welcome, America. I know. I also spent like two hours on the phone with the Board of Elections because I thought my ballot was missing something. 
Um, and it turns out that I just opened my ballot and threw it on the floor and it was missing something. And that part was under my bed. So uh, I don't even think that they should allow me to vote after that. It was so kind that they did. I just had to vote blue in New York. I couldn't resist. I had to just make an enormous impact in that way. People always ask me if I'm still registered to vote in North Carolina. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm registered to vote here. I was honestly surprised that North Carolina wasn't blue. It's, girl, it's the gerrymandering. Those voting districts look absolutely crazy. I'm a big believer in the fact that the South is not as conservative as people think it is. A lot of that can just be chalked up to voter suppression and gerrymandering and poverty and lack of education, which is so unfortunate. But I mean, living in the South, the activists I knew there were so much more involved. You know, not everyone was on the left the way almost everyone I know in New York is, but the people in the South are doing a lot more in my uh, in my experience, and especially opposed to the like rich white New York liberals, who of course are a big part of the reason why New York is blue. But the only thing that they actually do is like post infographics to their Instagram story. Girl, the revolution will not be Instagram infographicked. So I'm very glad to see Biden won. It was such a relief. I was following it. I was live tweeting it. I was going insane. I actually found out recently, Mark Sebastian, shout out, texted me that Biden's granddaughter follows me on TikTok. And I really don't know what to do with that information. Maybe this is how I get to Hunter Biden. As you guys know, uh, do you guys know? As you guys have probably figured, I have a huge crush on Hunter Biden I would say one of my top 10 political crushes. He is just, he's so dreamy, hunty bitey, as I call him. I've never, I've never said that before. But I really think I can get to him that way. And I think we would be a good couple. I am aware that he does smoke crack. But if you think that's a deal breaker, then you're just closed minded and you discriminate against addicts especially when they look like Hunter Biden. He can smoke all the crack he wants. Have some more, King. We love you. Speaking of TikTok, to keep you guys posted on my weekly cancellations, and I say cancellations uh, very liberally, I'm not ever actually getting canceled, unlike almost all of my friends, which I think is so interesting. I don't know why. But a lot of 15-year-olds were very mad at me for a video that I posted recently, and it was about basically how Gen Z, which, by the way, is a generation I'm a part of. I'm not 35, okay? Gen Z, my generation, just to be clear. Gen Z, the generation that I am in, just so we're... You got it? Okay. Um, I was saying how Gen Z is very pro-revolution, very pro just overthrowing the state and devolving into anarchy, which I'm not saying is a bad option, but I think it shows a lack of self-awareness that, first of all, Gen Z thinks that they're the only activists ever. 
Gen Z thinks that they were like the first generation to protest racism and climate change and sexism and homophobia. And uh, not only is that not true at all, but the generations before them who protested that stuff were putting a lot more in danger. And of course, protesters are still in danger now. I'm not saying they aren't, but that doesn't mean that it's the 60s. That was a different time. That was a different generation of activists. So I think that, first of all, shows a lack of self-awareness. And I think also the the sensitivity of Gen Z. And I know I know I sound like a boomer right now. I sound like Bill Burr. I'm fully aware. But the sensitivity of Gen Z, which is a thing, it is a thing, does not uh, indicate the type of person who would be able to handle a revolution. And many people were very mad at me because they thought that I was making fun of people who like need trigger warnings or whatever, something like that. Um, And that's definitely not the point I was trying to make. The point I was trying to make, there's nothing wrong with needing trigger warnings, but if you do, I don't know if you want to be shot at right? I don't know if you want to be killed by the CIA, right? I don't think you're ready to operate a guillotine. Let's be honest. Let's be honest here. And I think I'm really getting into politics here, but whatever, who cares? I think that that sensitivity, whether or not it is misplaced or it's productive or whatever, I think it definitely hinders the left, and I think it it's a big part of what I find is my biggest problem with the left, which is that leftists look for traitors when they should be looking for converts. And then they wonder why everyone isn't a leftist. I've said this before, that if you want to be a revolutionary, you can't get mad when the people who are also revolutionaries do something that you think is a little bit off. I mean, you can get mad, but you shouldn't consider them like a traitor to the cause because of it. And that's a lot of the reason that I don't believe in that type of sensitivity. And I think it ultimately just damages people and it coddles people and hinders their personal growth and especially hinders like the growth of the left and limits the open mindedness that we could be bringing out in other people, but that we're not. I was also very like politically sensitive when I was younger. And I think a lot of that is just partially like misplaced, I don't, not exactly excitement, but misplaced energy when you learn about how the world works and you're finding out how people contribute to systems and et cetera, et cetera. And you just want to be able to relate everything back to it. But that also comes at the cost of putting way too much blame on individuals. I think it's unfortunate that we have so many political discussions and discussions that are important and that we should be having, but we don't have them until it, it relates to an individual. We're not ready to talk about like problematic parts of our society until an individual displays something problematic that is a result of that. And that person ultimately ends up being a scapegoat for what is just a much larger and much more systemic problem. And I think that's what young people get wrong very easily about politics and theory and critical thinking and all that, because we're putting so much blame onto individuals. 
because it's easier and it's more entertaining and it's more likely to get clicks and engagement. But at the end of the day, it's significantly less productive, especially when we're not assigning the same amount of blame to different people because they're more popular or they're better liked or whatever. And I think that's part of the danger of kind of mixing pop culture and politics and critical thinking just because it has so much more to do with what you think of someone than what you think of a specific problem or a system. Honestly, I blame, I don't know if you guys are young enough to, or I guess old enough, to remember this, but yourfaveisproblematic.tumblr.com, that blog was the beginning of cancel culture. And uh, I blame it for all the problems in the world today. I truly believe that yourfaveisproblematic.tumblr.com was a terrorist organization. I absolutely hate that word, problematic. And people use it about me a lot, not a lot, but occasionally I'll get a comment that's like, uh, this video is actually problematic, or like, you're super problematic. And I'm like, I know what I say is problematic, and what I do is problematic, and I'm problematic, and you're problematic, and the world we live in is problematic, and what, what is unproblematic? Nothing is unproblematic. That's such a, I don't know, such an overly simplistic concept that holds no meaning whatsoever. Who cares? Anyway, I don't really know how I got on that. Do you ever start talking about something and then finish by talking about something else? And you're like, did that happen? Did that flow happen naturally? Or did I just like take a major leap in the middle of that monologue? Anyway, I guess those are my thoughts on um, young people's misplaced political energy. Now let's talk about what of my other opinions, um, as we do on this podcast, my various opinions. This is so dumb, but I was thinking, like, what have I been thinking about or doing for the past two weeks? Do I have a diary I could check? No, I do not. But I do have something Um, That is kind of a diary, but instead of making my mental health better, it makes it significantly worse, and that is my Twitter account. So I was looking through, and I found a tweet that I wanted to elaborate on. I found a PSA that I wanted to talk about on here, and um, I actually don't have my phone with me. It's in the other room, but... I know my tweets. I know my own tweets. And I said something along the lines of every straight man who knows even a little bit about astrology is a pervert. And this is something that I absolutely stand by. And I wanted to bring it onto the podcast because I think this is just such an important PSA to all the girlies out there um, that straight men who know about astrology are pervs, sex pests etc. Gross. First of all, you know how I feel about indie boys. You know how I feel about e-boys. You know how I feel about boys who identify as feminists and paint their nails black and whatever, whatever. But have you ever considered astrology as another red flag? Contention one. If a man knows his sign, how many girls have asked about his sign before? Yes, I'm perpetuating gender roles by implying that men can't be interested in astrology on their own, but let's be honest, they aren't. Like, they kind of aren't. Am I wrong? I know that's, like, problematic, but, like, uh, they're not. So if he knows his astrology sign right off the bat, that's whore behavior. 
that is something that um, a slutty male would do. A male who has no respect for himself, a male who's been around town, been around the block, been running around all five boroughs, dropping off his sperm cells, his sperm, being a sperm donor, and not in the medical way, if you know what I mean. Honestly, the biggest test is to just ask a man what his sign is, which I know a lot of girls do. The biggest test is, does he know? He shouldn't know. He shouldn't know. A man's job is to not know his astrology sign. That's a man's place in the world. It's uh, not on the CoStar app. Or I guess people don't like that now. What is it that people like? The pattern? I don't know. I can't keep up with Williamsburg, girl. It's so much to keep up with. So I know girls use what's your sign as like a way to figure out what his red flags are. First of all, there's no need to do that. I'll tell you his red flags right now. He's a man. That's all you need to know. Who cares if he's an Aquarius? No. And everyone, everyone has some sign that they won't date because they had some ex who was terrible. Who cares? Who cares? They're a man. That's the problem. I'm telling you right now. I'm diagnosing it. Man. Beep, beep. I don't know what that, that was a diagnosis sound. I don't go to med school. Shockingly. I know. I'm, I am a genius. Um, I could, I could if I wanted to. Contention two. And I say this as someone who I do believe in astrology, not to a huge extent. I just feel like, you know, whatever's going on in the planets probably affects us a little bit, but, you know, not as much as other things do. So I say this as someone who is not anti-astrology. I've never met a respectable man who would have given a girl his birth time. You know what I mean? I just can't picture it happening. It's one of those things... A man being interested in astrology is like a man painting his nails, reading feminist literature. You guys already know where I'm going with this. Wearing lots of jewelry. Could it be that he's genuinely interested in those things as a person? Sure, maybe. Is he probably just doing it so he can be a creep to women? 99.9999%. In fact, I'm willing to round up. Let's go 100 Let's go 101. Let's give it that. Let's give it 101% as they're doing to their whatever grooming of women they're doing. And I know it's like, you know, gender roles. Of course, men can be interested in astrology. I just find it awfully convenient how men who are interested in these typically female things are always interested in exactly the traditionally female things that will get them... Mm, 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 mm. That's me bleeping out the word I'm trying to say. But you know what I'm trying to say. I'm not going to say it. I'm thinking of a bad word that I don't want to use because I'm a lady. But that's how they're thinking of you. If you know what I mean. Meow. Meow, meow. Saying that men just like those things and that they're not just trying to be a creep to women is like, you know when girls are like, oh, we only wear makeup to impress ourselves. We're not doing it for male approval. I get that that's true to a certain extent. I will say right now, it's not true for me. If I was wearing makeup not for male approval, I would be wearing full-on clown makeup every day. I would look insane. But, as you know, my two goals in life, to marry rich and impress the gays, I'm doing it for male approval. If you think that I'm not like, 
making my eyes look dark and upturned and making my forehead and nose look smaller and making my cheekbones pop and putting blush on so he thinks I'm nice and fertile, etc., etc., for myself. Hmm, how convenient that what I'm doing for myself also fits patriarchal beauty standards to a T. What a kawinky dink And I think the same applies to men. It is not a coincidence that they are doing exactly what women want them to be doing. That is not them having a genuine interest in traditionally female things. That's them being a pervert. So, contention three. Actually, no, I don't have a final argument. Conclusion. It's been a while since I've been, uh, been debating, congressional debating, high school. In conclusion, ask a man what his sign is. Don't listen. Never listen to a man. Um, don't listen to what his sign is. Listen to whether or not he knows it. If he doesn't know it, that's a man. That's a himbo. That's a king. If he knows it, that's, I don't want to slut shame, but... That's, that's a slut who needs to be shamed, to be honest. That's a pervert. A sex pest. Anyway, I'm 20 minutes into this. I really need to get started with the questions. I was originally going to do a segment after this where I rank the podcasts of popular TikTokers because all of them have podcasts now. And I'm not talking about the cool ones like me and no other examples. I'm talking about Bryce Hall, Addison Rae, Dixie D'Amelio, uh, those little two, two white boys, the, the himbo, the himboys, the himbos. <laughs> um, I guess I'll do that next episode because I'm just, I'm so excited to talk about them, especially because I know no one else is listening. I'm really doing everyone a favor, uh, by letting you know what's up with these podcasts. Our first question, someone wants to know how to make sure you stay safe while dating. This is a great question. I would say, first of all, get a weppy. Always have a weppy. I carry pepper spray with me. I should probably get a taser because I feel like pepper spray is like, you know, like what if I spray it on myself? What if if I spray it on other people? That would be a mess. I've always thought about like, what if something happens in a subway car and I pepper spray a guy and then like until the next stop, me and anyone else in that subway car is just stuck marinating in this spray. So carry pepper spray or carry a taser. Or I used to, um, before I got my hands on some pepper spray, I would carry around like, God, I think it was like a screwdriver or like embroidery scissors or something just because weapon laws in New York are super strict. So I was like, this is something that I can carry around and use as a weapon. And if a police officer goes through my bag and is like, what is this girly girl? I can say, queen, I'm a fashion student. I'm an FIT girly, girly girl. I'm a designer. So that's step number one. The obvious one. Also, I usually, if I'm dating someone, they'll uh, like Uber me to wherever we're going. And I usually give them an address that's like a block or two away. I live in a doorman building now, so I don't really do that. uh, If I feel like it's someone I can trust. But when I didn't live in a doorman building, that's what I would do to everyone. And then on like the fourth date or something, I'd be like, psych, I don't want to walk those two blocks anymore. Put in my real address. Here you go. You're welcome. So obviously your date should be picking you up or ubing you. 
Um, so just make sure that they don't get your real address unless you have like mutual friends or for some reason you actually know that they uh, probably won't murder you. If you for some reason have a bad feeling about a date, first of all, you don't have to go because sometimes anxiety is intuition. You can prep ahead of time with one of your friends, send them your location and or give them a specific time to call you. And depending on how the date is going, you can be like, what? Our father is in the hospital. Or you can be like, Emma, you're so silly. You butt dialed me. I'm having fun on this hot date. Or you can have like a little code word for like, bitch, pick me up. I'm about to get murdered. I think most importantly and most just like a general tip is to not completely let your guard down, which sounds bad. It sounds like, you know, don't trust someone or whatever. It's not about trusting someone. It's about keeping in mind that women have been murdered by their husbands. Like if you think you know this boy who you've known for three weeks better than people have known the person they've spent their entire life with, you're wrong. Never assume that someone's 100% safe just because they're nice or nothing has happened yet or whatever because you honestly never know. Also, tell your friends about the behavior of someone you're dating because they are much more objective and able to pick out red flags than you are. And this applies to safety. This isn't just like, oh, he's going to break your heart. He's going to cheat on you. Like, he might kill you, girl. We don't know. Um, Not to scare you, but I think it's important to kind of keep your friends in the know so they have a good idea of what this person is like. If they do or say things to you that you're afraid to tell your friends because they wouldn't let you like get back together with them or go out with them again or whatever, you probably don't want to be with that person. And anytime I've had to hide things from my friend and be like, oh no, yeah, last date was fine. He's so great. He didn't at all start crying and screaming in the middle of a restaurant. Uh, That's times when I should have been honest That's times when I should have gotten an objective opinion from my friends who would have told me he's crazy. He's crazy, girl. Also, last but not least, if you're going to go like on a weekend trip with a guy or if you're just like, I don't know, road trip, whatever, you're going away from wherever you live, do a background check on him. And I don't mean Googling him. I don't mean calling a private investigator. I mean, like you can go online and find a website where you can do like a criminal background search and they'll also tell you like any place that they were employed or whatever so you know if they're lying. Like it won't tell you everything about them, but it'll tell you what you need to know. It'll tell you like any time that he's been arrested or whatever, anything like that. And it might seem extra to do that, but it seems unnecessary until it's not. Until you actually find something, which I haven't yet, but I will continue to do that anytime I go away with someone just think it's so important to avoid getting murdered. Now, I've been asking you guys to send me stories, preferably some sort of horror story, um, because I like hearing about your weird, disturbing lives. And you have really come through. So this is going to be a very story-heavy episode. I'm okay with that because I'm tired. And I hope you guys are okay with that because... 
it'll be entertaining. All right, first one. Okay, here's the dating story. I was a freshman at NYU at the time. Yikes already. And I met a 30-something guy online who lived close to my dorm, and we decided to meet for coffee. You guys know how I feel about coffee dates. If you're not going to recruit me to be in an MLM, I don't want to have coffee with you. It was great. We actually really hit it off, and we talked about ice skating and art and everything. Then it had been like two hours... And we're not ready to go home because we're having fun. He asked if I want to go ice skating because we had talked about it earlier. And of course, I went. He paid for the train for the skate rental and entry to the skate rink, as he should. Then after he said, let me take you to dinner. He took me to a super nice restaurant in the East Village and paid for everything. Even snuck me a drink because I didn't have a fake ID yet. He then walked me all the way home and said, I'm glad I met you. And we said goodnight. Then I never heard from him again, ever. We had this amazing, like, eight-hour date and completely ghosted. Can you believe? And sure, it's like everyone ghosts everyone nowadays, but that one seems bizarre to me. That also seems bizarre to me. An eight-hour date? Girl, that's a work day. That's so much time. Um, First of all, I'm questioning why someone has that much free time in the first place if they're not an NYU freshman, this grown man. Second of all, it's very weird to ghost someone after that. I've definitely had a couple similar experiences, not like eight hours long, but just men who, you know, take me on a lot of the times elaborately planned and absurdly expensive dates where they like try to impress me the whole time and then I never hear from them again, which I always think is very odd. And I've heard the same from my friends. Um, I mean, I can't say that I'm not a ghoster. I don't go someone if I'm actually involved with them. But if I don't like someone after a first date, I'm not typing up a paragraph. I don't care. But I've never ghosted someone after a date like that. I think it's interesting. Men. Men. But I think it's important when that happens to just invest as little of your energy and time into that person as you possibly can because they're investing nothing into you anymore. Don't give them a second thought. Who cares? They have bad taste. Tragic. All right, next story. Oh my God, girl, I had the wildest first date yesterday and I knew right away that I had to tell you all about it. Can't wait. Okay, so I met this guy on Bumble. Already a mistake because obviously Hinge is my app of choice as it should be. Honestly, f*** Bumble. I don't want to talk to a guy first. That would never happen in real life. Um, Okay, he asked me out to split a bottle of wine in this cute park in downtown Toronto. I show up looking real cute, very obviously out of his league. Obviously, he took you to a park for the first date. It's sunset, and I'm reading for a book while I wait for him because I am incredibly hot, sexy, cool. You sound it. I am pulling out all the stops. This guy shows up. He's like a full inch shorter than me, despite his profile saying he was 5'10", I'm 5'5". Wow. Yikes. That's never happened to me, I don't think. I've never, like, noticed anything like that but I'm I'm also horrible at noticing like height height and like body shape or type unless it's something super out of the ordinary I don't notice if someone's like four feet or seven feet tall I'll notice if someone's 5'10 and I'm 5'7 we're the same height I don't I don't even notice anyway that's an insane amount to lie about. He tells me he asked me to meet him at this spot in particular because his friend is supposed to be busking there that night. Oh, um, interesting. Maybe his friend plays very romantic music. We don't know. Let's see. 
He didn't bring a picnic blanket or anything, so I'm just sitting there in very sparse grass, passing a bottle of wine back and forth with this dude, all amid a gaggle of his friends. None of them introduced themselves to me either. First of all, if you don't introduce yourself to someone your friend is dating or even on a first date with, like, you're garbage. Not that you should be witnessing a friend's first date in the first place, obviously, but that's so... Ugh, that's so gross. Now, I thought all of this was pretty red flaggish already, and I kind of wanted to go home. But to top it all off, after we've bade his comrades adieu, she is a writer. We love. This guy looks me in the eye and says, yeah, I've like really got to pee. And so I say, oh, yeah, we'll get you a place for that. We'll get you to a place for that. To which he replies, oh, no, nah, don't even worry about it. There's an alley over that way. Oh, that's disgusting. I had to sit on a little bench park all dolled up while this guy pissed in an alley and he had the audacity to come back like it was nothing, lead me down a path to a stargazing spot and then try to hold my hand. Nice try, pee hands. That's first of all, disgusting. Second of all, why would he specifically announce that he has to pee? I would say, I'll be right back. I don't need to elaborate. Hide somewhere. Hide in that alley secretly. And also, bring hand sanitizer it's a pandemic let alone pee hands that's two dirty hand problems on top of each other that's disgusting also that's basically the reason that I don't really go on casual dates like I don't I don't go to the park I don't go to coffee shops whatever because I like to get actually dulled up and I'm not going to a park and like pin curls in a corset you know I want to go to a restaurant like that. I want to be seen. I don't want to hold hands with someone who has urine on their fingies. That's unfortunate. I'm very sorry you got all dolled up to have someone with urine on their hands try to hold your hand. Ew. All right. Next question. And I just saw one of the words in this story, and I'm pretty sure it's about to get wild in here. Okay. A terrible date story for you. We were meeting up from a dating app to go for a coffee. Why are all these stories casual dates? If you're going to meet up with psychotic men from the internet, you might as well get a meal out of it. Come on. As I approach him from across the street, I see the first red flag. Oh, my God. Let me get close to the microphone. He is wearing a fedora. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine that. I'm trying to picture it, and my brain just isn't letting me. It doesn't want me to process that sort of trauma. This is where I should have just turned right back around and gone home. He hadn't seen me yet, so I could have done that, but because I hate myself, I didn't do that. Oh my god, I'm about to cross the street when he walks over to a nearby wall and whips it out and starts peeing on the wall. We need to set him up with pee hands from the last story. What is up with these men and urinating in public? Let me just tell a story. This was not a date story, but it's still something that um, I regularly laugh out loud about that involves men peeing in public. I was out with my friend. I won't name names. We had just gone to a bar and we were walking down a street on Lower East Side. And he's like, hey, I really have to pee. I'm going to pee on this wall because it was like an empty street. Um, Can you just like look out and make sure no one is coming? I say, I can do that. Pee away. Let me step away. Um, Coast is clear. Go ahead. He starts peeing as soon as that stream presents itself. An entire Hasidic family of probably, I'm going to say 12 to 15 people, starts walking down the street. And he's not in an alley or something. Like, he's peeing 
on a wall. It is leaking down into the street. It's making its journey. They are parallel to the pea stream. They have to like step over this. All this time, I'm hysterically laughing. I'm crying laughing. So sorry about that. Sorry about that, kiddo. My bad. The coast was not clear, it turns out. Anyway, back to this story. Okay. He starts peeing on the wall. He's still hasn't seen me because we're on a busy street and he's just urinating in public over there. Disgusting. Correct. He finishes and then sees me and starts waving me over. Girl, not with a pee hand. Not another pee hand. The pee hand waving you over. Ugh. It's too late to turn back and I have to pretend I didn't just witness the, this man doing his business. The date starts and we are walking to the coffee shop just chatting about things. It comes up that I went to fashion school and he starts explaining how the fashion industry works to me. Oh, I relate. I majorly relate. I I hate this. I hate this first of all because like obviously, you know, when you're a fashion major, don't explain fashion to me. Also, who cares? Like the fashion industry sucks. That's common knowledge, especially from someone who doesn't know. The fashion industry is horrible enough in the first place without it having to be explained to you by Mr. Fedora Peahans. <sighs> okay, he's a history major. I changed the subject. Ew. We start talking about books we've read recently. I tell him the title of a really good one and suggest he write it down so he can read it later. And this man says to me, I can't do that because I left my phone at home. I am on house arrest and they can track me from my phone phone jesus christ that's when i just f***ed right out of there i was too shocked to even ask why he was on house arrest so now it's a fun game where me and my friends make guesses that is so fun um wow that actually reminds me of a i used to date who i did not know was a white collar criminal i did not know he was a white collar criminal when i was dating him i found out afterwards but me and my friends um used to like try to try to calculate how much he's made and how much he like owes the IRS that was a fun game um yeah this is a horrible date first I can't get I wonder what he did my guess I'm gonna say arson I'm gonna say arson I just feel like first of all if you're wearing a fedora you were unhinged enough to set a building on fire let's be honest you absolutely are and if you're peeing in public you don't care about public property. You might as well burn it down. You're already peeing on it. So, wow, that is a horrible date. I'm going to say he is an, what is it, arsonist? Arsoner? Arson king? Arson queen? That is my best guess. Anyway, next story. Last story. This starts with, I definitely have a men are trash and online dating is trash story for you. I can't wait. I'm hooked already. Okay. It was the first ever person I had quote unquote dated when I was in my first year of going to university. So I was around 18 or 19 and it was going pretty well after the first few dates until one day he was supposedly with his quote unquote friend to which I later found out what was his boyfriend who eventually broke up with him because he was cheating. Makes sense. On the day in question, he had, oh my God, texted me saying that he had AIDS Okay, that was a shift in tone. Okay. Throughout the rest of the day, I was trying to get in contact with him to see what was up. And after being left undelivered for more than a day, he finally got back to me saying, 
it was all a joke, that is an absolutely psychotic thing to do. That is worse than the arson from the last story that I assume happened. That's, oh my God, that has to be illegal. Is that not illegal? Can you sue for emotional distress? That's, oh my God, okay. (sighs) At this point, he started to put me on the back burner and the replies were getting shittier. Girl, I would say I was just joking about having AIDS was a pretty shitty reply. I would say that wasn't a great one. Granted, this was the first boy I ever liked, so I had this boy on Instagram to be a stalker, lol. Once I found out that he had broken up with a person that he cheated on, I went on a few dates with a guy who got cheated on, the guy who got cheated on, and got revenge. Oh, so his ex-boyfriend. By getting in contact with all of his other boyfriends one day and just politely making them aware that he was cheating trash and subsequently ended up being gay kryptonite. Wow. What a story. That's like a sitcom ending. I love it. In sitcoms, whenever someone's cheating, they like bring everyone involved together. That is, I just can't get over how psychotic of a thing that is to do. That's so crazy. That story most certainly proves that men are trash and online dating is trash, um, which was the promise that we were promised. And he did not let us down. That is, wow. Okay. Um, well, ending it on a high note, and by high, I mean highly disturbing. I'm going to go get a bag of cola gummies from the local CVS and eat them. So I'm out, and I will see you guys next week, unless there's another election I don't know about. Just a reminder that you can follow me on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at GlamDemon2004. And you can also follow the podcast Instagram at Let Me Ruin Your Life Pod. You can also DM me any questions or stories that you have. I would love to have more questions and stories to talk about on the podcast. And I will see you guys next week. Stay sexy, stay safe, and don't date guys who know their sign. Bye.